0: a bipartisan border deal that originated in the Senate has solved the problem of illegal immigration. It simply makes everything legal. Plus, Joe Biden wins a landslide victory in South Carolina's Democratic primary on Saturday. Yep, that's right, you probably missed it. And his administration's response to attacks by Houthis and other Iranian militant groups sees missile strikes in Syria. All of that today on the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Welcome in, jam-packed Monday edition of the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Justin Hall alongside Mitch Prosser. It is Monday... February the fifth in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty four. I will withhold my ding. I believe it is June the sixth, nineteen eighty seven. <laughs> so it has ding come and ding. It has come to our attention. June sixth, by the way, June sixth, twenty twenty, was a great day. Um, was it? In that? regards, I, I got married that day. Oh, okay. In cool. regards to also anniversary. The day, um, in regards to the date thing, let's just get this out of the way. Maya culpa. <laughs> We had two loyal listeners let us know on two separate occasions, including one being this morning, that on Friday's show, I said it was September the 2nd. At the beginning of the show. Close enough. Neither I nor Mitch caught that that no, day. Because I'm never paying attention to anything he says anyway. And and Mitch texted me later and said, hey, just listen back to the show. Really good show. He didn't mention it then. <laughs> so neither of us caught that. So if you were confused, uh, we were not speaking to you from the future. The coffee is safe to drink. Office reference. Uh, uh, yes. And yes. Uh, everything is fine. So now it is Monday, February the 5th, in the year 2024. And what we do know is that last night, the United States Senate, and specifically Senator Chris Murphy and Senator James Lankford, Democrat and Republican, respectfully, released the language and released the text of the bill that is set to address the immigration crisis... In the United States of America, HR eight fifteen. And H.R. eight fifteen includes a specific border security emergency measure. Now. What does that mean? This and this is an appropriations bill. And why do I say it's an appropriations bill? Because there's a lot of Because money in it. I have to scroll down so far on this bill. By the three, way, three hundred oh, and eighty pages? Three hundred and eighteen pages. And I'm not printing that. Um yeah because we'd need to call for a special like fundraiser to do millions that. Millions and billions of dollars for Ukraine defense, billions. For Israel defense and for Taiwan defense, which all pretty important, but all of the money of those specifically just Ukraine's border security here in this bill is more than it's allocated to the US border security in the bill later. Now there are a couple things we need to understand about this bill. It does not end catch and release, and 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 we've been reading the bill today, trying to I, grapple with we, some of what it says. We he has a mouse
1: in his pocket. I have read and heard <laughs> about the bill. I've heard him and read excerpts from the bill because Justin, Justin is a wonk. So a policy nerd,
0: and I love it. Non custodial removal proceedings, uh, <laughs> sub point two. See. aliens referred aliens by the way are illegal immigrants not those people Um, in the Miami mall no and there are no such thing as aliens they're all just demons aliens referred whoa hot take you heard it here first aliens referred for proceedings under this section shall be released from physical custody and processed in accordance with the procedures described in this section it doesn't end catch and release it bolsters catch and release here's another one unaccompanied alien children are exempt from this So this whole break glass emergency thing that we'll explain in a second. Unaccompanied children or unaccompanied minors are not included in that. That's a problem because what we're seeing is a height of human trafficking. Yes. This doesn't address that issue. One of the biggest things about this bill is that it has a specific... Break glass moment, and the break glass moment is that if we have five thousand encounters in one day, the Secretary of Homeland Security may, which
1: in legalese is extremely important. There is a difference between may, will, and shall. May is an option, whereas will is a direct, more of a directive. Shall is a command. Correct.
0: May is you might do this. 5,000 in a day. Now, that escalates as we move forward. 5,000 in one day or 8,500 for seven days. Now, do that math. 8,500 for seven straight days means the Secretary must...
1: Is that a rolling seven-day
0: period, a calendar seven-day period? That's a continuous seven-day period. Okay. So for a week, you're seeing 8,500 illegal immigrants encountered at the border every day. Okay. Then they have to do this. So 5 let's start with 5,000 because I like even numbers. 5,000 a day. So it, if it stays at 5,000 a day, that means for seven days, I'm doing quick math here on the air, that means 35,000 in one week. There are four weeks in a month. Times four. So that's 20, carry the two. <laughs> hold on, hold on. 140,000-ish. 140, no, yeah, 140,000 in in a month? Now extrapolate that 140,000 by 12. So the simple fact is, if 5,000 illegal immigrants are encountered at the border, we don't have to lift a finger. But if it's 5,001 we could theoretically lift a finger. This bill doesn't do a darn thing to deal with the border. Not a thing. Here's my favorite part. You ready for this? In general, this is emergency suspension of authority. In general, if the president finds that it is in the national interest to temporarily... Temporarily suspend the border emergency, the president may direct the secretary to suspend use of the border emergency authority on an emergency basis. In this bill, we're giving the current president the authority to not institute the bill. Okay. I have heard Senator Langford speak on multiple occasions. Great speaker. I find him to be a great speaker. And a genuine Christian lawmaker. Yeah. But, don't, oh, let me be careful. Uh, there's a, there, there's, there's a, there's an old, um, there's an old euphemism. There's an old Texas saying. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same don't, here in Tennessee. Don't, don't urinate on my pants leg and tell me that it's raining. Okay. This does nothing to protect the border. This does nothing to stop. The issue of the border, because the issue of the border is twofold. Number one, it's wide open. The president, President Joe Joseph R. Biden Jr. the third, used executive power to end remain in Mexico day mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. thus opening the border. He now claims that in order to close the border, he needs power authority. given to him from the Congress. When in fact, he could use the same executive EO. order. To close the border, if he just that he ripped up his own open open piece of paper, yes, yeah, all he has to do is rip up his own EO. That's all he has to do. But he's going to continue Maybe to claim. He could
1: get Nancy, he could. She's good at ripping paper.
0: And for the purposes of paragraph three, the secretary shall not activate the border emergency authority. You ready? During the first calendar year after the effective date for more than two hundred and seventy days. So in the first year you cannot have this emergency authority in place for more than 270 days. In the second year after this bill becomes law, you can't do it for more than 225 days. And during the third year after this becomes law, you can't do it for more than 180 days. So ninety, roughly 90,
1: 150, and 100, 180. So it's a, it's a de-escalation clause in the bill, which basically says, if I'm understanding this correctly... We are, because the border should theoretically, because of this <clears throat> bill. Be closed by then. Theoretically yeah. would be better th- than, uh-huh. and so what this does is de-escalates the necessity for emergency action on the border based on the perception that the bill would improve the border, while in all reality,
0: it probably won't. And and another thing, we're going to get to reaction to this bill in just a oh, second. Goody. Um. Here's another thing. For an additional amount for, quote, Executive Office for Immigration Review, end He's quote, air quotes. $440 million will remain available until September 30th, 2026. That of the total amounts provided under this heading in this act, all of it, four hundred four $404 million, shall be for immigration judge teams including appropriate attorneys, law clerks, paralegals, court administrators, and other sports staff, as well as necessary court and adjunctory costs, and $36 million shall be for representation for certain incompetent adults. Pursuant to Section 240E of the Immigration and Nationality Act, provided further that not more than 3% of the funds available for representation for certain incompetent adults in the preceding proviso shall be available for, ne- for necessary administrative expenses... By the way, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, federal assistance uh, to support sheltering and related activities provided by non federal entities through the Shelter and Services Program, $1.4 billion. With a B. Is going to be transferred to that. So we're talking about $1.8 billion total. Small, is going to be spent on p- paltry. Song. Is going to be spent on providing lawyers to those who are not citizens, amongst other things, and to NGOs at the border. What are the NGOs doing now? Now, taking pictures of three sided cages. Secretary Ooh, Mayorkas. Cents. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, has a tweet thread on this. The bipartisan agreement in the Senate is tough fair, and takes meaningful steps to address the challenges our country faces after decades of congressional inaction. I'm rubber, you're glue. (laughs) Decades. Decades of congressional inaction. It would allow the DHS to remove more quickly those who do not establish a legal basis to remain in the United States. But under the current law, under, under what we're doing right now, Asylum requests are at an all-time high, and if I wanted to go to the border right now, I could claim asylum. To get into Mexico? Yes, because I feel like I'm in danger, because the evil sun monster is going to kill me. Reduces the time from years to months. It would expedite protection and work authorization for those with legitimate claims. It would provide flexibility to respond to changing dynamics at the border. Much-needed resources it builds on this administration's approach of strengthened consequences for those who cross the border unlawfully what what name Majorca says name that it, name it yes let's go further uh senator chris murphy one of the authors of this legislation the 118.28 billion dollar national security supplemental package that's included in this mm-hmm. by the way 60.06 billion dollars to support ukraine $14.1 billion in a security assistance for Israel. One of those wars is not like the other. $2.44 billion to support operations in the U.S. Central Command and address combat expenditures related to the conflict in the Red Sea. Mm. $4.83 billion mm-hmm. to support key regional partners in the Indo-Pacific. Mm. Wait, are, we, are we telegraphing something? $2.33 billion to continue support for Ukrainians displaced by Putin's war. The bipartisan border policy changes have been negotiated by Senator Chris Murphy, Senator Kristen Sinema, and Senator James Lankford. Oh, wait, I missed one. I'm sorry. $10 billion in humanitarian assistance to provide food, water, shelter, medical care, and other essential services to civilians in Gaza, the West Bank, Ukraine, and other populations caught in conflict zones around the globe. But since Senator Chris Murphy helped author this bill in cooperation with Representative, or Senator Lankford, and Senator Chris, Kristen Sinema. Here's his text thread from last night. By the way, your Twitter thread, if it's anything like my algo, uh, was a combination of Senate Bill, just Senate Bill language just dropped, and Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs did a duet on the Grammys. Like, that was all that Twitter was talking no, about last no night. No men's, Game Cup men's basketball? That was a day before. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the big win... <clears throat> That was the day before. It was on Saturday. And Georgia's not a big win. Uh, Anyway, uh, minutes ago, (laughs) the text of the bipartisan national security funding bill was released. Bipartisan national security funding bill. That's the language. Bipartisan national security funding bill. You ready for point number one? It funds Ukraine, Israel, and humanitarian relief. What the what? Seriously. We're a family show. What is going on? Number two, it secures our border and reforms our asylum law. First, it would be easy just to keep immigration and border policy as a political cudgel for another 40 years, like the president's doing right now. But politics at its best is about finding bipartisan compromise on the toughest issues. A quicker, fairer asylum process. No more 10 year wait. Claims are processed in a non detain, non adversarial way in six months. That's not better. That's worse. That doesn't improve things. That makes them worse. <laughs> you know how we protect the border? <laughs> Make them citizens immediately. <laughs> what are we doing? You cross the border, you get a piece of candy. Also, no more waiting for work permits. A brand new right to legal representation for all immigrants. So now, isn't there isn't there like a constitutional provision that allows for Americans to be represented? E- is, that, e-
1: is it the fourth or? No, it's the, the fifth. I think the fifth
0: it's the fifth amendment. So now we're extending the fifth amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America for to those who are not citizens of the United States of America. Well, I mean, are they citizens of the world? This is ridiculous. Are they citizens, are they citizens of humanity? And the first, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait! Remember when Trump denied lawyers to victims of the Muslim ban? Never again. And the first ever government paid for lawyers for un, young unaccompanied minors. Oh, he continues. A requirement that the president, a requirement for the president to funnel asylum claims to the land of ports of entry when more than five thousand people cross per day. Here's the line: the border never closes. Hmm. The author of the bill. Well, he's shoring up his base. The border never closes. Well, here's your problem. Here's your problem. He's not the only one who wrote the bill. If he's shoring up his base with this bill, what does that say about the Republican who helped alter it? He's he. It, there's a difference between being a Republican and being a conservative. Well, there, it, on any issue, there's a difference. And the, you can be conservative on some issues. There's an art to compromise. This I, isn't compromise. What? Langford probably sold too much of the farm. This is not com- this is not compromise. This is the classic. All right, we'll give you more asylum if you give us more security, and by more security, we mean more money. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen here. When you he can't up- reduce arrivals at the border without allowing for more illegal immigration. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. Chris Murphy says you can't reduce arrivals at the border without allowing for more legal immigration. So more visas. 50,000 extra employment and family reunification visas each year for the next five years. Do that math. What is that? 250,000? Am I right on that? That's Mm -hmm. quick math. 250,000 extra employment visas for the next five years. I'm telling you. If this bill goes anywhere, it's because members of Congress are high. Speaker Mike Johnson had something to say about it. He tweeted, I've seen enough. This bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe the president has created. As the lead Democrat negotiator proclaimed under this legislation, quote, the border never closes. If this bill reaches the House, it will be dead on arrival. Senator Josh Hawley had some things to say. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. And I'm not throwing this is a, shade at Holly. I, this is an open borders bill if I've ever seen one. The border never closes. That's all you need to know. This border deal allows illegals to get immediate work visas. Immediate. He says wages will fall like a lead balloon. Now we know why Wall Street loves this border bill so much. It legislates cheap labor forever. Mm. The largest child smuggling operation in American history just got the green light in the Senate border bill. no. New restrictions on unaccompanied minor children at the border. Meanwhile, the border bill continues to fund the overseas war machine. Steve Scalise, let me be clear. The Senate border bill will not receive a vote in the House. By the way, who's in charge of the calendar in the House? Steve Scalise? Got it. Here's what the people pushing this deal aren't telling you. It accepts 5,000 illegal immigrants a day and gives automatic work permits to asylum recipients. A magnet for more illegal immigration. Mike Lee also, Senator Mike Lee, went on and said, You know, here's the thing, Mitch. To overcome a filibuster, you're going to need to have how many people vote in favor of this bill? 60. Ain't getting 60. It ain't getting out of the Senate.
1: BTW, just as a political side note. Sure. Chris Murphy, Senator from Connecticut. Last elected
0: in what year? Recently, 2022. 19. In an off year. So he's up. Well,
1: I'm sorry, 18. 18. So he's up this year. Correct, because senators serve for a term of six Six years. years. Interesting. Senator
0: Lankford isn't up until 2028.
1: But who needs more coverage in their state? Who needs more street cred in their state? Lankford, who's not up for another few years, or Chris
0: Murphy, who's up? one One would argue the Democrats need this bill.
1: <clears throat> so they Democrats,
0: could, Democrats need this bill. So, Republicans need the border closed. So they could
1: add a faux plank to their platform that Correct. says, we Correct. are strong on border security. Correct. And it was bipartisan. Yes. We reached across the aisle to those crazy conservative Republicans and said, we'll throw you a bone because we still run this thing. Interesting. Oh, and the other thing is that we know people appeal to their base yes, when they're they running for election. Of course they do. And I will not cite one of my most favorite uh, today on this show, but there's one from a few years ago in regards to judicial nominations to the Supreme Court. And everyone said, wow, he's on fire. And I said, he's running for re-election. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's up this coming year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah politics so, it, 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 it's politics let me let me be very clear let me try to be as as succinct and as nice as I possibly can he's gonna be tight like a tiger as Christians we are to lend a helping hand to anyone e- literally everyone is our neighbor that that's that's how it works everyone is our neighbor to that end there is some understanding that christians need to have about what it means to have a protected border there's there's unfettered evil if everyone if everyone was good and as as christ would say what what who is good that's that's what he that's what his response is to the rich young ruler when he mm-hmm. says you are a good pr-. what who is who is good but the father right so if everyone was good and chaste and righteous then there would be no need for us to fear what man in a depraved state would do right. with no law but we see what man will do with no law right fentanyl opioids pouring across the border. The drug cartels run that thing. The unaccompanied minors, you're talking about significant human trafficking impacts. Not only that, but you have people coming across the border. They don't speak the language. They have nowhere to go. We're just... And and the Biden administration for a while was just putting them on airplanes and buses and just dropping them off in cities. Right. And, And the cities are... What are they to do? They don't have the infrastructure to deal with this. Right. And so what it does is it creates chaos. There's a lot to fear about an open border. There's also a lot to fear. And when I say fear, I'm not trying to fear monger you. I think there are legitimate things to be concerned about. With an open border, you also leave yourself open to significant national security threats. Oh, certainly. What's a bigger national security threat, ladies and gentlemen? What is a bigger national security threat? And I've heard Republican candidates for president do this too. What's a bigger national security threat? Domestic terrorism. Putin? Putin's still dealing with Ukraine, and Ukraine still dealing with Putin? Or is it the unknown people who have slipped through the system at the southern border? What... I. It, It only takes one. It only takes one. I don't understand. I, I truly don't. After the Afghanistan withdrawal, then Chief of Staff Ron Klain said that the Afghanistan withdrawal was a was a was a success, and I said our leaders, the leadership of this country, either has no moral compass. They're either morally corrupt, or they have no clue what's going on, and I fear it's both. That hasn't changed. They either don't know what's going on, or they do know, and they don't care, or they're just morally corrupt. I have a feeling it's two of the three. This bill, as I've read it, does nothing for this. It gives more money to Ukraine, it gives money to Israel, it gives money to Taiwan. There's no off ramp on any of those except for Israel where they've already said, "Listen, we got to wipe out Hamas. Once we wipe out Hamas, war's over." There's no off ramp anywhere else. And we give more money to foreign countries than we do to our own country's border. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. And I'm and I'm tired of the Biden administration saying they need congressional authority. An NBC news poll just dropped as well. In light of this, and well, uh, along the same lines as this, an NBC News poll, it was a national poll, so take it for what it's worth. Who do you trust to do a better job on the economy? 55% said Donald Trump. 33% said Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the sitting president. He's underwater by 22. Who do you trust more to deal with crime and violence? Donald Trump, 50%. Joe Biden, 29%. That's a plus 21 for President Trump. Who do you trust to do a better job at being competent and effective? Biden underwater by 16. Who do you trust to improve America's standing in the world? Biden, minus 11. Who do you trust to uh, do a better job at having the necessary mental and physical health to be president? Biden, dropping 23.
1: Who ran the poll? NBC News. What do those numbers tell you? Mainstream media drive by, mm-hmm. ran the poll. Mm-hmm. The numbers are in, exorbitantly in favor of Donald Trump, which means they're negative four Joe Biden. Which means one would assume they are perpetuating a narrative, a narrative, and
0: moving forward with an agenda of possibly removing the sitting to president.
1: oust the sitting president either at the convention or directly after.
0: By him. the way, one more: who do you trust to do a better job on border security? <laughs> Biden minus thirty five. Only twenty two percent of those polled said that they trust Joe Biden to do a better job. I'd love to go on the see border. that field. And by the way, that that seventy nine percent. What's the other twenty one talking about? I know. What's your moe? Speaking of President Biden, I was walking my dog. Oh boy. On Saturday, Saturday was a bit of a busy day, but um, I was walking my dog. And where we live, there's a school. Actually, the schools I attended, my elementary school and my middle school, are literally half a mile from my house. And so, on the weekends or during the summer or during winter break, I can walk the dog like around the school when it's not in session, mm-hmm. and down, around, and back is like three miles. It's perfect. Um, I was walking and I saw voting signs. You know, it's like here, here's your precinct. And I thought, what? there's going- there's an election. Wait, there's that? an election today. Who's, who's voting today? What's going on? And then I remembered it was the Democratic primary. First, first in, the, first in the, nation. the nation. President Joe Biden won a landslide victory in the Democratic primary Saturday. <laughs> Who, who's reporting this? CNBC? Oh, CNBC. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, as of 12 a.m. on Sunday, Biden won 96.2% of the ballots cast. <laughs> he beat out House Rep Dean Phillips. And self-help author Marianne Williamson. Listen to this. Now the numbers, the numbers give us quite an insight into into what exactly happened. Once the polls closed, this is this is around eight forty eight p.m. How many votes did he end with in the South Carolina primary?
1: Uh one hundred twenty six thousand three hundred twenty one uh, as of current. Is- one
0: hundred twenty six thousand. 321 Democrats correct, in a Democratic runoff or in a Democratic primary, first in the nation, when Biden's been here four times in the last three weeks. And, and
1: by the way, just in case you're wondering, um, the other two, and and I, I'm not going to say this all because I, some, I'm sure some people voted for Roger Rabbit or Bugs Bunny um, or Mickey Mouse, the others received about 6,100 votes. So if I'm doing really loose math and rounding up... Um, that's about 132 133,000 votes for uh, total number of votes for the Democratic primary, first in the nation Democratic
0: primary in the state of South Carolina. I'm at I'm at scvotes.org. Are you looking at 2020 numbers? I'm looking at 2024 numbers. Okay. 2020 numbers um yeah. blow this one out of the water. Now that was a contested primary. This is not. But here's why it's important because of what CNBC says next in their piece. The win injects fresh momentum into President Biden's re-election campaign and it offers a compelling rebuttal to the narrative that Democratic voters are ambivalent or worse about the party's standard bearer. Ladies and gentlemen, voter turnout was 4.09% on Saturday. There are 32 Million registered voters in South Carolina. 3.2 million. Mm-hmm. According to scvotes.org, right here. hmm 131,870 ballots were cast.
1: hmm 4% just, voter turnout. Just, just to, as a frame of reference now, obviously this was... Contested election. The ...most contested election probably in our lifetimes and maybe forever in our lifetimes or at least in all of our lifetimes. Um, in 2020... The state was won by Donald Trump, 55.1 to 43.4. The Mm 43.4, Joe Biden still received 1,091,541
0: votes. So... Well, not all... Okay, well, that's that's a general election to a primary election.
1: Right. Well, uh, but still... If it's uncontested on the Democratic side, you would think the same 1,091,541 people would show up. They don't say, care. Apathy. They
0: don't care. It's, it's voter apathy. They don't care. Here's here's what you need to understand as we get ready for the 2024 election. And we're going to talk plenty about this in the coming weeks and months, of course, with a, with a built-in break of the show uh, around the month of March. Um for personal reasons, um, as we move forward to November, what's the what's Election Day? November eighth, I think. Fifth. Yes. November fifth. Here's here's what you need to understand. In 2020, we saw record voter turnout across minorities and young voters. Why? Why? Because you could vote by mail. Mm-hmm. rampantly across the country with seemingly no fetter no barrier to your voting by mail right no barrier so we saw unreal voter turnout mm-hmm. in fact I want to go back and look at what voter turnout was in 2020 because and that's and that's nationwide by the way I don't, I don't want to look just at um of citizens 18 and older voted in the 2020 presidential election. And still, Mitch, that came down to a razor win for Joe Biden. Hmm. I mean, in all seriousness, that was a close election. Mm -hmm. Are you telling me that nearly 67% of voters that are registered are going to vote again in 2024? I don't think so. It probably aggregates back to the mean of around... 56%. Fifty-six percent. By the way, South Carolinian
1: South Carolinian Democratic voters have always been apathetic toward Joe Biden.
0: I well, bet. I don't know about that. I mean, he did well, win the primary here in twenty twenty, propelled him, he, propelled him to the nomination.
1: Yes, but when it came time for the presidential race, the general Jamie Harrison outperformed him by, which says a lot.
0: Nearly uh, how many points did Jamie lose by? By the way, uh, uh, to fail upward?
1: Yeah, fifty-four. 44 in that race. He so lost by 10. 10. So he spent about $20 million for each percent. But it's a difference of about 100,000 votes. I- I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me make sure. No, I'm sorry. About 10,000 votes. My math was bad there. Jamie Harrison beat Joe Biden by about 10,000 votes. I performed him down the ballot. Well, and we could throw a few more dynamics into that, but we're not going to right now. Sure. Um the state is not and and we you know ladies and gents, we pick presidents here um well, except in that one, except that one I mean we've picked the yeah. pick the nominees, yeah uh, um
0: in twenty twenty Biden in a statement said it was the voters of South Carolina who proved the pundits wrong, breathed new life into our campaign, and set us on the path to winning the presidency. Now in 2024, the people of South Carolina have spoken again, and I have no doubt that you have set us on the path to winning the presidency again and making Donald Trump a loser again. See, that's what he does. That's what he does. It's so annoying. Biden will be awarded all 55 of the state's Democratic delegates, and his overwhelming margin of victory left no question about who Democratic voters want to be, who Who Democratic voters want to be on the ballot in 2024. Remember, frame. Yeah. frame that narrative, sure. because they're not telling you how many people voted. Here you go. In 2020, approximately 16% of the state's 3.3 million registered voters cast a ballot in the Democratic primary. On Saturday, that number dropped to 4%. Four percent. It was 16. It was 16. If Bernie Sand, if Bernie Sanders had run against Joe Biden in 2024 in this primary, I would argue he'd have beaten him on Saturday. If my grandmother's,
1: never mind. I was going to say my grandmother's cat, but that'd be, that'd be unfair. There's, it, it's just, I mean, it's bad. Let's just call it what it is. And this is not me beating up on president Biden. It's actually me saying, you know, the, the gentleman needs help. He needs, he needs to retire. He need. and I'm not, I'm not jumping on him, you know, uh, Aegis to bandwagon or anything like that, he is not fit to be the president. And I will guarantee you, if he if he wins uh, the presidency in 2024 and is sworn into office in 2025, his own party will evoke the 25th Amendment.
0: Joe Biden barely crossed the threshold of what the second place Bernie Sanders got in 2020. Hmm. Voting it's, it's voting. It's voter apathy. So again, if you wanna, if you wanna harken onto the percentage of the vote that he won, that's fine. You can do that. I mean, would you expect your sitting president to not get at least ninety five percent of the vote? I mean, <laughs> honestly, honestly. Now, we do have uh, foreign uh, defense news. U.S. and British forces with support from their partner nations launched a fresh round of air and missile strikes on the Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen. In retaliation for the group's continued attacks on international shipping, the Pentagon announced on Saturday, this according to Politico. The latest strikes, the third of their kind since January 11th, came a day after U.S. long-range aircraft bombarded Iranian military and proxy targets in Iraq and Syria. The first of multiple expected rounds of retaliation for Sunday's deadly drone attack on U.S. troops in Jordan. Again, this was on Saturday, so you're playing back to last Mm -hmm. Sunday. The U.S. military is now ratcheting up its intensity on two fronts in the Middle East, attacking Iran-supported Houthi rebels in Yemen in retaliation for missile and drone launches against commercial shipping in the Red Sea, while also assaulting Iranian proxies in response to more than 160 strikes on U.S. troops in Iraq, Syria, and now Jordan. Saturday's multinational strike on the Houthis is unrelated to the response of the administration to the Jordan attack, according to one senior official, who was granted anonymity to discuss sensitive plans. These precision airstrikes are intended to disrupt and and degrade the capabilities that the Houthis use to threaten global trade, the lives of innocent uh, mariners, mariners, and are in response to a series of illegal, dangerous, and destabilizing Houthi actions since previous coalition strikes on January 11th and 22nd. The U.S. strikes were launched from air, sea, and subsurface platforms. The Houthis have now launched more than 30 attacks on commercial and naval vessels Since mid-November, according to a statement by the Pentagon, Iran's statement uh, to the bombing Friday was calculated Uh, Nasir Khanami, the foreign ministry spokesman, said Saturday, quote, the attack last night on Syria and Iraq is an adventurous action and another strategic mistake by the American government, which will have no other result than increasing tensions and destabilizing the region. The government of Syria and Iraq condemned Friday's bombing runs, saying they would hurt the ability to fight Islamic State terrorists. Iran proxies in Iraq and Syria seem to get the message, however, as there have been no additional attacks since these airstrikes by this combined force. I remind you, the Biden administration, early in the administration, removed the Houthis. As a designated terrorist group. He says on the campaign trail, folks, that he knows more about foreign I know I've been doing foreign policy for years. Yeah, you haven't been doing it well. You haven't been doing it well. And again, I think it's important that we can we can disagree on a lot, right? We can disagree on a lot of issues and we, we may want to see significant changes in what's going on across our country and what's going on across the world, I do think it's important that because of these things or in spite of these things, we continue to pray for those who are in authority. Sure, absolutely. And we continue to pray for wisdom and guidance for these folks as they make these decisions. Listen, it is a weighty decision— when you have to determine whether to launch airstrikes in or around Iran, mm-hmm. understanding that we are in the middle of um, a crackerjack box, it is, it's is—it's only going to take one. I said that about the border, mm-hmm. but in this case, I truly believe it's only going to take one strike. Iran, Listen, Iran doesn't want to get into a war with the United States. But Russia does. Correct. Does the U.S. want to get into a war with Iran? I don't think so. No. Because we understand the stakes surrounding it.
1: Well, and I, I, you know, one of the things that we do here sometimes is play, you know, political chess. I think it's interesting sometimes to play um, war chess or war games, you know, risk. calculate. Uh, there, there are some scenarios in which I believe the world, the entire world, could get behind America hitting strategic Iranian targets. Mm-hmm the entire world including china and russia for their own monetary gain but they could do so so if the iranians want to play chicken with military and commercial ships in the red sea and by de facto the that narrow passage between the horn of africa and yemen then by all means do so because as long as they do so under the foe or gentle waving of an Iranian flag that America will continue to do our job in protecting our allies and our interests, including our U.S. troops around the world. Right. So if we need to hit strategic oil reserves, if we need to hit refineries, if we need to hit military targets, then we will do so. And I will praise the biden administration for acting in a relatively swift manner in responding to the sheer temerity and uh, you know unmitigated gall of the iranians and these you know oh well, i'm not i'm not quite sure who did it there are yeah. only a few people on the face of the planet uh, only a few nations on the face of the planet that have the drone capability of striking tower 22 the way it was done right period and I would argue that the audacity of doing it with a drone as opposed to the way that Osama bin Laden did it in the 90s is all the more reason to pay attention to state actors who are not only in support of global terrorism, are perpetuating and committing global terrorism by their actions.
0: So we have a serious problem problem across all different levels again there's a lot to get to I know we spent a lot of time on that border bill but I think it's important that we cut through the conversation and try to get to the real issue at hand Uh, I want to go ahead and preview our conversation on Wednesday Um, and by the way if you want to be in contact with Palmetto Family you can do that palmettofamily.org you can sign up for our email newsletters there Uh, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast share it with your friends and family we'd appreciate that Follow us across all social media channels. If you want to invest in the work at Palmetto Family, you can do that. PalmettoFamily.org slash invest. Our show is brought to you by I Believe SC. On Wednesday, on another edition of the show, brought to you by IBelieveSC.net, uh, this from the Free Press uh, for Free People uh, website, which I've come to read quite often, a, a piece by uh, Tamara Petsky. We've got a new whistleblower. I was told to approve all teen gender transitions. I refused. For six years, I worked at a hospital that said all teenagers with gender dysphoria must be affirmed. I quit my job to blow the whistle. And I think what we're seeing is a shift on the transgender issue. I think America was infatuated with it for a little while. I would like to think we're seeing a shift. We'll talk about that story Talk about the impact of the conversation and where we see it going from here on the next edition of the program. But we thank you for listening today to the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. For Mitch Prosser, I'm Justin Hall. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday.